May God be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Give us grace, O Lord, to answer readily the call of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and proclaim to all people the good news of his salvation, that we and the whole world may perceive the glory of his marvelous works, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk. And he cried out, Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. A reading from the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians. I mean, brothers and sisters, the appointed time has grown short. From now on, let even those who have wives be as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no possessions, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea. They were fishermen. Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them. They left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. No, I am not Pastor Stephanie. Pastor Stephanie sends her regrets. She is at home with the flu today. But um, as usual and uh, 
in her conscientious way, she gave me a call last night and gave me cliff notes for her sermon. So I am leaning into those quite heavily today. In Paul's writing today, we hear the phrase, the appointed time has grown short, although we might paraphrase that a little bit for our readings today and say, the appointed readings today have grown short. These brief, pithy passages from some familiar parts of Scripture, we open with the story of Jonah, the second time God speaks to Jonah. Most of you will be familiar the first time. Remember that story that most of us learned as children when God speaks to Jonah the first time about going to Nineveh, Jonah refuses and he goes in the opposite direction. And if you remember the old story, he ends up in the belly of a whale or a fish, if you want to be true to scripture. I'm not going to get into flora and fauna with you, except to say that the story is really quite funny and satirical about a most reluctant prophet. But the interesting thing in today's story is when Jonah finally listens and abides by the voice of God and goes to Nineveh, they abide by God's voice too. And in almost a heartbeat, it seems, they turn. A whole city. So great, the author tells us, that it took three days to walk from one side of it to the other. More than that, the ancient Israelites would have heard this story and have been troubled by it because Nineveh was not an Israelite city. It was a city of outsiders, which would have been viewed by the faithful in Israel as a dissolute and most unfaithful place, the farthest you could imagine from God's reach and God's care and concern. And yet they turn. Incidentally, the author will drive the point home even further a little bit later on in the story. Some of you will remember what happens next. Jonah goes up on a mountainside and waits for God's wrath to fall upon the city. Jonah's expecting that. And of course, that doesn't happen. And then Jonah is upset with God for not giving him the show he expects. And God's basic answer to that is what God's basic answer to all of our expectations is normally. Excuse me? Excuse me? Who's in charge here? Things turn on a heartbeat. The time is short, says Paul. Paul paints for us a paradox in which everything that we assume about this life cannot be taken for granted. And more importantly, he says, everything you assume about this life is not where your life is. It is somewhat along the lines of what Jerry said last Sunday when he talked about how 90% of what we devote our time to really has very little to do with eternity. And our task as people of faith is to embrace that paradox and take on our daily life and all of the relationships and things and work that we take for granted 
with a renewed understanding that they are passing away. They are temporary. If we put what is eternal first, then all of those other things will follow. It goes along with that familiar hymn that so many of us remember, seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. That sense in which even the most hallowed relationships of our lives are not right until we are in touch with that spark of the divine that is given to us. It gets us out of the trap that we all fall into where we lean so heavily on our friends and our spouses and our jobs that they become almost like idols to us. God wants us to lean on God, and then everything else follows, comes right after that. Paul draws us into that spiritual paradox, that place where our hearts can turn in a heartbeat, where we can immediately say yes to God's call and be transformed. That's the story on the shores of the Sea of Galilee this day. When Jesus shows up there and meets Simon and Andrew, two fishermen, Now, we might have romantic ideas about Simon and Andrew who catch their fish and maybe take them to market and make a tidy living, but actually their economy is very similar to ours in that the fishing industry in Galilee in the first century is extractive. And they live in a world of enormous inequality. So that their task is to catch fish as early as they can before other fishermen catch them. And then they are taken and distributed all over the eastern Mediterranean very quickly so that the fish that they catch are not the fish that they hold on to. They pass through their hands. And Simon and Andrew spend most of their time if they're not on the sea, trying to get enough for their daily wage, they are on the shore mending their nets. It's a hard life. It's hard work. But Jesus takes their life, their work, something that they are intimately familiar with, and turns it into a metaphor for the Christian community. The fish are gathered and then distributed, sent out. And so when Jesus says, I will now make you fish for people, he's not talking about simply gathering up a whole bunch of followers for Jesus. He's talking about netting them and then sending them forth. This is the great message of the Christian spiritual life. And perhaps 
one of its most unique features in all of the world religions. We are not gathered together to be an enclave. We are gathered together to be sent forth, distributed out into the world in God's grace. To let go of all the things that we are tempted to cling to in that spiritual paradox that Paul discloses so that we may be vessels of God's grace for people who have not even thought about darkening the doors of this space, let alone begun to entertain the Christian life. It's a remarkable tale, and it's filled with remarkable people. Jonah, we've already talked about as one of the most ironic figures in the Old Testament, a funny guy, a most reluctant prophet, Simon, who is later named Peter by Jesus, of course, is a bit of a reluctant prophet in his own right. And if you remember who Peter becomes, and that is one of the most impetuous and sometimes thoughtless of Jesus' followers, he tends to jump in with both feet and then look where he's going. Sometimes, in fact, literally jumps in with both feet. And it is bound to get him into trouble. So much so that in Matthew's gospel, Jesus calls Peter son of Jonah at one point because he never quite gets it right either. John and James, the sons of Zebedee, get into trouble themselves because at one point they demand that Jesus promise to seat them on his right hand and his left. They may be seated in his glory. Gets them in no end of trouble with the other disciples, as you can imagine. So this God who called Jonah the most unlikely prophet is the same God in Christ who calls these most unlikely disciples Disciples whom he will send forth as apostles to carry the Christian message. And we're meant to see them as unlikely, as perhaps even incapable, because that's how we often see ourselves. Yet here we are on a Sunday morning gathered up in the net of the church for a moment to share in the spiritual food that Christ calls us to. Not so that we may be comforted, although it can comfort us. Not so that we can be told that we're okay. The only thing that makes us okay is God's love for us but so that we may be sent forth as those first apostles were to carry the good news, even if we dare, into the streets of Nineveh. This calling. Maybe one of the reasons that Simon and Andrew and James and John immediately follow after Jesus 
is because they realize that this life on the Sea of Galilee has not fulfilled them. And the extractive way that the economy works around them is death-dealing. Jesus offers them a new way of being, a new community, a new way of looking at reality and their lives. And they can't help but follow, because somewhere inside they recognize they will never be the same. Where is it that God is calling you? Where is it that God is calling us? The call of new community is always there. It was there yesterday as millions around the country marched to witness for women who have long been silenced in the history of the West and now are finding their voices the world is changed. No matter what goes on in Washington or even in Sacramento, the world is permanently altered. The new community is beginning. And a bit like Jonah, we don't know what that will mean. What will it mean now for Nineveh that they have repented? Not what Jonah expects, obviously. What will it mean now for Simon and Andrew and James and John that they have decided to follow? We don't know. Maybe that's what Paul means when he says the time has grown short. The new life is beginning. It is calling us forth. Where are you called this week? Where will you bear witness to God's new life in you? Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.